0: Hey, welcome, and so glad that you're joining us from wherever you're watching today. We just want to give you a huge welcome. My name's Andy Elms, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church, and we know we've got people watching from each of our congregations and also an online community that's joined us over this last 45, 46 weeks now, and we want to welcome you too. Listen, we're planning uh, the other side of this lockdown to continue with an online congregation for those who are in other countries, those who are in different parts of the world or this nation that have joined us and found Christ during this time of transitioning through lockdown together. We want to hear from you. If you're interested in in being a part of our online congregation, we're going to look to meet again in all the locations that we did before this. But we're just so conscious that we've, we've grown as a family and we want to continue to serve you beyond this moment that we're walking through so contact us please send her an email to uh, family.church let us know if you've joined our journey and you'd like to be a part of an exciting online uh, congregational campus the other side of this massive welcome to everyone we are now on the other side of our 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. As you know, we designated the first 21 of 21 <clears throat> to the Lord for his purposes and to seek his face. And here we are the other side. And I know that I've been hearing many stories of people breaking their fast on Friday morning with a break fast and what people have been eating and uh, glad you're enjoying your food so much. We want to thank you for being a part of this moment where we postured ourselves for more of God as we start this exciting year. Now I'm believing that you need to get ready now for what God's gonna do. You need to be in watch and see mode because God is no man's debtor. Whatever you laid aside, food, time, whatever you laid aside for more of God, He will never be in debt to anyone. And I really believe like we've spoken of Daniel, that already that which was released on day one is on its way to you. And I want you to be trusting God during this year for all that he's going to do in breakthroughs and bringing understanding to you. And we just want to say a huge thank you to Family Church and those who are part of our journey for joining with us in this time of consecration. I believe that you're going to be amazed at what God does next. Now, our journey together in the messages that we've been sharing the last few weeks have been really, really, I believe, spot on for what God wants to do. Um, And they were key for starting 2021. When I was reflecting on what the Lord put on my heart heart to speak Uh, The first week of January and through the last couple of weeks, there's been this wonderful, this beautiful tying together of messages. And I really believe that they were God inspired. It's amazing that, you know, I always listen to heaven for what God would have me to speak the following week, not just in these broadcasts, but whenever we do church. And there's been such a clear sound from heaven these last four weeks for me, as I've just spent time in the presence of God saying, Lord, what do you want me to minister and to speak to your people next week? Boom. It's like I haven't finished a prayer. And all of a sudden it's like God said, now this, now this, now this. And it's put us in this incredible journey together. And I believe we've come to a final part today. Next week, we're going to do something really exciting, a little bit different next week. But I really believe today God wants to put the cherry on top of where he's been leading us this uh, last few weeks. So I really believe it's been a God-inspired journey. It's positioned us and postured us well for 2021. And the good news is if you're watching today for the first time, all of the previous messages are available on our YouTube channel. They're available for you to catch up so you've not missed anything. So if you're, if you're visiting us for the first time today and you're like, oh man, I didn't hear the other three messages. Good news, you, could, you can binge watch them. You know, some people binge watch Netflix and all that stuff. You can binge watch the messages of Family Church from the last few weeks. As I said, God's been leading us somewhere these last four weeks in the messages that we've been sharing The Lord, I believe, has been leading us somewhere as a church and as individuals and he has a purpose for our journey. You see, the Lord is a God of purpose. Whenever he does anything, he always has a purpose connected to it. So on our journey the last three weeks, together in the intimacy we have with God in our homes and in our private worlds, we've become awoken. We said, Lord, we want that fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. And the setting of praying and fasting is just a wonderful bedroom moment for the Holy Spirit to give you a fresh touch of awakening. I pray that you've experienced one and continue to. Then we spoke week two of being consecrated. When we're awoken, we then make the choice that we want our lives to be set apart for him. And then last week we said when we understand that our lives are now set apart for him, not just owned by him, he bought us with his own blood, but we've said, God, we want our lives to be set apart for you. The next thing that naturally happens in our world is we become submitted or surrendered to his spirit, to his word and to his will and ways. What a wonderful journey. What a wonderful corridor of fresh consecration. For us all to walk through, and I believe many, many, many of you have done that. But I've got some great news. We've spoken of awoken, we've spoken of consecrated, set apart. We've spoken of we've spoken of being submitted. I've got some great news of what I believe the Lord wants to share with us today. The next bit is really, really exciting, and actually the purpose or the fulfilment of a previous step. Are you ready for this? We can now be used by God. What a wonderful destination! to arrive at, in all that we've laid down, in all that we've repented of, of all the pride that we've said we don't want this in our lives anymore, in the exchange of following our will and his will. Now we come to this beautiful moment where we can now have a confidence that we can be used, every one of us, not just church leaders, every one of us can be used by God. Now, the full picture really is... um, Brought together with that statement, we can now be used by God. We've been awoken, we've been set apart, we've been submitted for a reason, to be used by him. Now, it's not about being his. That was taken care of in what Christ did for us. I'm not saying because you've consecrated, because you've been set apart, that you're now saved. That would be ridiculous. We know that the Bible says, and we'll read it in a moment, that your salvation is the produce of the faith that you've placed in the grace of God. So we're not saying that what you've done, because that would be works. We're not saying that what you've done has produced that you now belong to God. You belong to God the moment you believed. What we are saying is now your life has become usable for him. You belong to him because of your faith placed in Christ. But your decision to live set apart, submitted to, is what makes your life, wherever he's positioned you, in the world, in the nation, usable for his purposes <clears throat> you see our lives need to be ready for what God wants to do for his purposes because we were created to do his purposes if you've got your bibles there just turn with me to the book of Ephesians and we're going to read this really clearly in a passage that Paul said to the Ephesian church Ephesians chapter 2 and I'm going to start reading in verse 8 because there's just wonderful truth um that leads into the the statement that I want to make today from God's word. It says in verse 8 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's what we're saying. I'm not saying today that what you've done in submitting your life, etc., has saved you. That salvation was the produce of your faith in Jesus. It says this, for it is by grace, God's unmerited favour, God's kindness and goodness to the undeserved, you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one is able to boast. And this is the part I want to come to today. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship. The translation I'm reading from says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do God a good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God's agenda was always to save us. And in saving us, we became his workmanship. But he also had a clear agenda that he had purposes for his workmanship, Consider that again, that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are today, we are, if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you are God's workmanship. He didn't just make you naturally. He's caused you to be reborn, to be a new creation. You are God's workmanship. But let's not forget the second bit, lest we be lazy in our faith, that we have been created for good works. Now, this is an interesting thought that we want to open up today. When we speak of good works, it means ministry. But again, people could shut off and go, yeah, but I'm not called to the ministry. Yes, you are. Ministry basically means service and serving. That's all ministry is. It's service and serving, serving God and serving people. That's all ministry is, whether you're an apostle, a prophet, a teacher, a pastor, an evangelist, a, 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 a life group leader, a connect group leader, a children, whatever aspect of what you're doing for God is ministry. But every one of us are called to ministry. God wants to use every one of our lives for his purposes. And that excites me. We have been saved By his doing, we've become his workmanship, but we've also been saved to be used by him. You know, many Christians get confused here. They think they've just been saved to sit in a chair and do nothing until one day they go to be with him in heaven. That's so wrong. Ephesians 2 declares that's a wrong way of thinking. Yes, you are his workmanship. But don't forget for a moment that you've been created for him to be able to use your life. Now, the word good works there is a Greek word called ergon, and it basically means to do business. So the Bible says that we have been saved by God. Thank you, Jesus, to do God's business on the earth. Isn't that exciting that God wants us to co-labor And do his business on the earth. Now, I love it that Jesus said, using the same word, that he came to do the works of the father, to destroy the works of the evil one. God wants to use our lives that are now submitted to him to pull down and destroy the work of the enemy in people's lives. Yeah, we lead people to Christ, but then we help the Lord to restore their lives through being active in service for his purposes. Now think about this in light of the first man, Adam. When we open the book of Genesis, we see God create Adam. Adam was God's workmanship, wasn't he? That God made Adam out of the dust of the earth and breathed his own life into Adam's nostrils. So very much we see in the book of Genesis that Adam was God's workmanship. He was created by God And when we speak about Adam, it also represents mankind. When you translate the word Adam, it means man, but it also means mankind. So God created mankind in the garden, his first Mark 1 creation in the garden. But then when we read through Genesis, it doesn't say that God said to Adam, sit on a hill and make daisy chains. It doesn't say, and God made Adam and then said, you're looking good, Adam. Why don't you sit on a hill and make daisy chains? Because, you see, the creator had put his purpose in his created. But just as God is purpose driven and has a purpose to everything he does, so he placed within that which he'd made in his own image and his own likeness, the desire to fulfill purpose. Actually, when you read through the pages of Genesis, you see that Adam was actually busy. He was looking after the garden, the Eden that God entrusted to him. He was determining what grew where. He was over and had authority over the animals, the beasts of the field, the crops. He was a busy guy. He wasn't sitting on a green hill far away making daisy chains and singing love songs to Eve. He was busy. And we understand that he wasn't a slave. He was actually fulfilled in purpose. As Adam took care of things for God, as Adam took care of business for God, in the Eden that God had created, he wasn't walking around going, I feel so used, I feel so abused. This is just slavery. He was saying, "Ah, I'm loving this because I'm working with the Lord, doing business with God on the earth that he created. And we understand that later on in the story, He ate of the apple, he entered into disobedience and in many ways he became unusable to God. God had intended him to be usable and to fulfil his purposes in Eden. But in changing the submission of his will to God, to his own will, when he took of the apple, he said, I'm going to do what I want, not what you've told me to, Lord. He actually entered in and became a son of disobedience and that made him unusable for the things that God wanted to do, not for some things, but for the noble things that God wanted to do. But God always had a plan and that plan was us and the restoration of our lives through Christ. That when we read the book of Genesis, we see that everything was good in the garden. Adam was loving life. He was fulfilling the purposes. Then came a the deception of the enemy and there was a fall of mankind, um, a separation of mankind, not just to intimacy with God, but to walking and working with God's purposes, like man was designed to do. But again, you've heard me preach this many times. The good news is that in Christ, the second Adam, now Adam that was made in Genesis is referred to the first man, but in the epistles it speaks of Jesus as the second Adam, or more correctly, the last Adam. And what that teaches us was everything that was destroyed and and took us out of position in the first Adam has been removed and we've been redeemed and restored by the second Adam, or more correctly, the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Now, if we honestly believe in this 100% redemption, which the Bible teaches, we have been repositioned before God to the very condition that Adam first knew before the fall. Now, let me open that up a little bit more. And what God anticipated for the first man, Adam, before he fell, what, what, what did he anticipate? That God could use Adam's life for his purposes. We can now have an expectation, especially now that we've brought our life through these last three weeks to a place of submission and surrender. We can have an expectation that God has got an agenda and something he wants to do with each and every one of us. So Adam, Mark one, was God's first creation his first workmanship we in christ are god's new creation so adam in genesis god's first creation we in christ according to second corinthians 5:17 are now not going to be when we die and go to heaven are now god's new creation isn't that exciting and god has works and purposes for us just as he did for the first man that he made all those years and centuries and thousands of years ago. And their purpose is that fulfil us. God hasn't called you to slavery. He's called you to sonship. The Bible says that he has made you an heir to himself and a joint heir with his son. Now, what I'm trying to make is this point, because a lot of people, they get saved and they stop at salvation and they say, well, I now belong to God. Yes, you do. But you're missing out on something wonderful you're missing out on the fact that God doesn't just want you to belong to him. He wants to use your life to do incredible things. He wants to anoint your life to do incredible things right where he's positioned you in the communities and the local worlds he's given you. Now, if you can convince me, which you'll have quite a hard job to do so, if you can convince me that... Adam found fulfilment in sitting on a hilltop doing nothing after he'd been made by God. Then you'll convince me that a Christian is happy and fulfilled sitting in a church doing nothing. It's against the design of God. God is purpose driven in everything that he does. To everything there's a purpose. To everything there's a time. To everything there's a season. We are so, so divinely unaware of the purposes of God being worked out through people's lives at any given moment beyond their own existence and benefit. God is purpose driven. There was a great book that came out many years ago now called Purpose Driven Church. God is a purpose driven God. He's created you in Christ, not just to be his, his workmanship, but to do his business on the earth. Your life was saved by God to be used for his purposes. Now that your life has been postured, he's able to use you whenever he wants. Remember our journey the last three weeks? We've been awoken afresh by his spirit. We've made a decision in our hearts. We don't belong to the devil anymore. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We want our lives just like the objects in the temple of the Old Testament, to now not just be holy, but wholly available. Remember the key verse we were sharing from Romans 12, that now we daily present our lives wholly and wholly available. For what? His purposes. In doing that, we make our lives a clean cup that he can use. The reality is, and I'm going to share this in a moment, God can use anyone and God can use everything. But we actually do something very beautiful when we choose to live consecrated or set apart for him. What we say is, Lord, deliver the tea to people in a cup that's clean. When a person chooses, because God can use a life and, and God can use anyone at any point. I'm not saying that he can't. But what I'm saying is when we choose, because we know what God's done for us to say, Lord, now I want my life to be set apart for you. God's able to serve a cup of tea to other people through a cup that's not grimy. If you go to someone's house and they offer you a cup of tea, you kind of prefer it, right? If they don't bring out a cup that's got lipstick on it or or coffee dribbles down the side, some of you are curling in your seats, but you prefer it, right? The the tea is brilliant. It's it's, it's PG tips. it's, It's a great cup of tea. The person's got a great cup of tea made for you. But when you look at the cup, it's amazing that your eyes are drawn to the, the pale pink lipstick stains. It says, this has not been through the dishwasher. <laughs> or the coffee dribbles from the previous sipper of that cup. No, we all would prefer to drink, unless you're a car mechanic, and that's, <laughs> that's just your life, I get that. Some of you are like, well, that's, how I, that's all right. I'm just using an example here. We prefer, if we have a choice, to drink tea from a clean cup. What we've been doing together, this last few weeks is saying, Lord, thank you that you want to do things and use our lives for your purposes. And we don't want you to have to use a dirty cup. So we're awoken to you. We set the cup of our life aside for you. Lord, we submit the use of this cup for your purposes. Like I said, God can use anyone. And when you read through history and read through the word, he often did. But often God used unsaved, ungodly people for his purposes. Come on, you can read it through the Old Testament. Just start reading through 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. You'll see that God used unsaved, ungodly people that didn't belong to him to fulfill purposes he had. So I'm not saying that you have to go through the last three weeks for him to use you. You know, consider with me, God used Pharaoh. God used Pharaoh. Pharaoh. In his journey with Israel and what he was achieving in his plans for Israel, God used Pharaoh to some degree. Also, God uses the Gentiles to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. Did he come and say, right, I want to use your life now to provoke the Jewish nation to jealousy so that they will return to me also and I can have one big family made up of Jews and Gentiles? No, But he uses us, what he's doing in us, aren't we blessed? When you read through Romans 11 and we see that he's included us in this journey and made us one body now with the Jewish nation. But God's agenda is very much that the Jewish people will return to him as Messiah. And God uses us, according to Romans, to provoke a jealousy in them. So I'm not saying that God can't use somebody, even unsaved, but what he wants to do is use your life for what I would call noble tasks. I believe that God uses the unsaved and those that don't love him for things he needs done and things he wants to achieve. But he actually wants to use my life in your life for noble tasks. Let me read to you a, a verse from Romans, Romans chapter 9. And I'm going to read from verse 21. And it just says, Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some just for common use. I love that. Another translation that I was reading says that some things are used for... He makes some people for noble purposes or special purposes and others just for common use. What I'm saying is as you've dared to allow the Lord to position your life over the beginning of this year, through the steps that we've taken together, you're actually now allowing the Lord to use your life, not just for common purposes, but for noble ones, for special ones. He can now place anointings on your life because your life is postured and positioned for him to use you, not just with everyday tasks but with special missions that he has for you. He's anointed you for incredible things that the Bible says in Ephesians 2, he desired to do with you and in you before you were made. You know, consider the prophet Jeremiah. He was a young man when he began to prophesy and God began to speak to him about being a prophet. And Jeremiah was a little bit nervous that God wanted to use him for this noble task of being a prophet to the nation. And he says, I can't do it, I'm just a kid. And God rebuked him and said, don't call yourself a child, Jeremiah. He said, I knew you before you were formed in the womb and I called you for special purposes. Listen, let's bring this into the New Testament, the new creation that's been redeemed and restored to full ownership by God he knew you before you were born. Your existence preceded conception. God knew you before you were born. But not only did he know you and want you to be his, he had a purpose for your life, a noble task, not an everyday use, a noble task. My heart and my prayer for each of you is that Because we've journeyed through this 21 days, we would suddenly have eyes. Like it says in Proverbs, you gave me eyes to see and ears to hear. That our eyes, our spiritual eyes and ears would be so open to the special things that God wants to do and use our life in this time that we're living. Oh, what a thought. What a thought that God, the creator of heaven and earth, doesn't see us as a crowd of daisies but he knows each of us individually and has a purpose for us individually. And what we've done together leading into this new year is basically just put our lives through the dishwasher. (laughs) Cups that always belong to him, but we've gone through the dishwasher together. And now we're here at the end of January, towards the end of January saying, yes, Lord, use this life that's been awoken. Use this life that's set apart for you. Use this life that's submitted to your purposes. And he can now because of what decisions you've made. He's given us our lives, but now we've given them back to him to be used. Now, what I've learned over the years is when the Lord anoints your life to do something for him, he gives a fresh authority And he gives fresh anointing. We should all be doing things that we knew we couldn't do in our own strength. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things. He wasn't being arrogant. He was saying, oh no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My union with the vine provides for me the ability to do everything that God says I can do. Over this next few weeks, I am believing God that some of you will begin to get big, scary visions of what God wants to do with your life. But I want to say, be assured he's not asking you to do it in his ability. He will provide everything you need to do the things he's asking of you. Now, this all ties together. Awoken, set apart, submitted. Because to me, the reality is the level of your submission to him will determine the level of authority that you walk in. Now, we've been saying together over these last three weeks that we're now bowing the knee of our life in surrender and submission to the one who owns us, to the one who saved us. To the level that we submit to his rule and reign, It will determine the level that God is able to do through us the things that he wants to do. So I want to commit you this thought. Let's not leave these 21 days where we've journeyed together in these powerful things and go back to normal. No, let's burn the bridge to normal. Whatever level of fresh consecration you've found in this time with the Lord, no going back, no going back. Don't just start eating food and not praying, and going back to a former model you knew. Apparently, some people say it takes 21 days to develop a new habit. We've developed some new habits that need to stay with us for the rest of our lives. The new places that you've found in prayer, the new places you've found of reading his word, the new place of intimacy you've found with him, when there's not a crowd in the room with you. Don't lose those things. People of God... Don't lose those things, but rather look through the corridor of 2021 and say, Lord, my life is going to remain submitted, set apart for your purposes. And to the level that you walk in submission to his kingdom. Now, the word kingdom, as you've heard me teach before, simply means the rule and reign of the king. To the degree now we now walk forwards out of January, submitted to the rule and the reign of the King in our lives personally, will determine what we see God doing with our lives. Isn't that exciting? Now, at the end of our journey, we're left with a very simple prayer and I want to pray this simple prayer with you today. We're left with a very, very simple prayer. Lord, we prayed that you would awaken us with a fresh touch of your spirit. You did that, Lord, week one. Week two, Lord, we realize that our lives are not to be owned by you alone, but our lives are to be set apart for you. Lord, we've done that. We've prayed. Lord, let our lives be set apart for your purposes. Lord, we've understood that a part of being set apart is we now live willingly and joyfully in submission and surrender to your spirit, to your word, to your will and to your ways. Yes, Lord, you've done so much in us. As we've journeyed with you this year. The beginning of this year. And we're left with this very simple prayer. Use me Lord. Use me Lord. In this messed up world. Where people are confused. In panic. Bound by fear. Addicted. Broken. Not knowing the way forward. Father. Use my life. In the neighborhood you've put me in, 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 in the schools and the other places that I have contact with when they reopen. Lord, I'm not saying use Pastor Andy. I'm saying use me. Lord, what you've done in my life is wonderful, but you haven't done it so that I could sit on a hill and make daisy chains. Lord, I am your workmanship, recreated in Christ to be yours and to do business for you on the earth. Actually, we don't just pray, Lord, use me. The correct thing that we should pray is, Lord, use me for your glory. Because sometimes we can say, Lord, use me, and we're thinking of what glory it may bring to us, how it may look, make us look good, or how it may give us a boost to our ego. All of that is junk that we've lost over the last three days, the last three weeks. So let's not. Take that back on. Now what we're praying is, Lord, use this life that belongs to you to bring you glory. Lord, would you do things through this coffee cup, my life, but don't bring glory to me, but don't leave people going, oh, isn't Andy wonderful, isn't Andy good? But rather they say, isn't what God's done and doing through Andy marvellous and of great benefit to our life? See, our lives have been saved by him to bring him the glory he deserves. I don't know about you, but when I look back over the last 30 years of walking with the Lord, he's been so good to me. He's been so very good for me. The times he kept my foot from slipping, the times I was on the edge of doing something so stupid, but he kept my foot from slipping. The times he forgave me, stood me back up, heard me when I said sorry. The times he gave me his grace over and over again. The time he showed me his mercy over and over again. When I didn't know what I was doing, but in me there was a raw desire for him. <laughs> Don't know about you, but I look over my shoulder back on my life and I say, Lord, you've been so good to me. But also I recognise he's sowed so much into me. He's invested so much into me with his word, with the experiences he's allowed me to to come through. He's the Lord has invested so much in my life. Now my prayer is simple. Lord, let this life that you saved and invested so much into now bring you the harvest you deserve. Come on, isn't that your prayer too? Think about his goodness, think about his kindness, think about his forgiveness. And all that he's done in your life, what we're doing at the end of this journey, he brought us through, is praying a simple prayer. Now, Lord, use my life. I don't want to sit in church doing nothing. I don't want to watch other people, but I want to be used by you. Heaven says, wonderful. We've been waiting for you because we need you for God's purposes. So we're going to pray very simply in a moment, a very simple prayer. God doesn't need complicated prayers. He just needs heartfelt ones. Lord, Lord, Use me now for your glory. You've brought me through this three-week dishwasher cycle. (laughs) That which belonged to you has been freshly set apart for you. I believe you want to use my life in 2021, Lord. And wow, the honour and the privilege of that blows my mind. Our lives are now saved by him to be used by him to bring him the glory he deserves. Let your workmanship, Lord, be used for you and your purposes to bring you that which belongs to you. All the glory, all the honour and all the praise. Would you join me in a simple prayer today that almost ends this section of what God's been doing. I believe I've already been hearing heaven concerning where the Lord wants us to go next as we journey together with our online broadcasts. But I I just believe in some ways, next week's going to be really interesting. You're really going to enjoy next week. I'm doing something a little bit different next week that I think you'll really appreciate. But I want us just to join at the end of this moment. We've been awoken. We've been set apart afresh. We've been submitted and surrendered to the Lord. Now we pray, use us, Lord. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, Thank you. You've been so good to me. Thank you for the journey we've been on, Lord. You've awoken my heart afresh to you. Caused my life to be set apart anew for your purposes. Brought me to a place where I gladly bow my knee in fresh surrender and submission to your will and your ways. Now, Lord, I simply pray, use my life for your purposes. May my life this year bring you the glory you deserve. Amen. If you're watching today and you've never given your life to Jesus, it starts with that simple prayer. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer also. If you're watching and you've never given your life to Jesus or you've been away from God and you say, it's time for me to come back, Andy. It's time for me to come back. I'm going to pray a prayer, but this time I'll pray it. And at the end, when I say, Amen, you say, Amen. And God will hear your heart, wherever you're watching. If you're watching live or you're watching on catch up, he's outside of time and space, ever looking to the heart of man, for heart's true response. Let me lead you in a prayer. Father, I thank you today that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me, not just for me, but as me, to to remove my sin, to give me a new beginning. Lord, you know where I've come from, but you see the decisions of my heart of where I want to go now. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that in you I find a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for saving me. Amen. That's it, nice and loud. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, we want you to contact us. Send me an email, would you please? Personally, send it to andy at family.church and let us know about that wonderful decision that you've made. Listen, church, we're moving forwards into 2021. Alive and awakened to God. Expectant and excited of all he's going to do through these lives that are now submitted to him. God bless you.